Hi, Elliot. Good afternoon, Serge. Nice to meet you. So uh, you've recently gone through a very big loss, and uh, that's what we're talking about. Yes, um, that is accurate. Um, my dad uh, has passed away um, actually about uh, 10 days ago, so it's a very recent loss, but it wasn't an unexpected loss because um, he had gotten to live a long and profitable life and I think had come to feel that um, the human body is designed for a certain length of time and he was reaching those outer limits. He was 98 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, uh, what you have found yourself doing a lot during these past few days is to think about life, death, mourning, uh, loss, and, um, and, and, uh, and so maybe we're going to talk about these things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm happy to try to do that. Um, you know, I think I've become aware of my own skepticism about, you know, grand theories of mourning, um, because I imagine people mourn in, in different ways. Um, and uh, in one way, uh, I think that, you know, I'm sort of struggling to be able to make sure that I hold on to uh, this moment. Um, and it's a way of trying to preserve the connection. Um, you know, I also am aware that um, there was fairly ample time in which this seemed to be the inevitable uh, result. Um, uh, I think one interesting thing to ponder about loss uh, is the way in which it has to remind you that this is not a fate that belongs to someone else, but it's a fate that belongs to you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's very personal. It just affects you at a direct level. It's not something, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's not a loss, it's my loss. Yeah, and, you know, in, in another way, it creates, um, I think, a kind of crisis of meaning, right? Um, depending upon what kind of belief systems that you are partial to um, and can look to to help you through the process. But um, personally, I, am, I would describe myself as spiritual, but not particularly religious. Um, and so that does put things on um, one's own shoulders a little more. Um, but um, even there, there's a, a kind of challenge because mm -hmm. I can't automatically say that I know what's meaningful in the universe. Um, but on the other hand, it kind of prompts you to try to pay attention to that, right? It's yeah. like, pay attention, um, think. Um, try to appraise like what is really meaningful to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, to, to another way to say it is to say for some people who are religious and say uh, in, a, in any given religion, 
there is usually some thought that is given to put a whole system of meaning around life and death. And so when it happens, um, if you believe in that religion, then um, it all fits nicely within a whole view of the world. And uh, in some ways, uh, it's something that, that makes sense that reinforces what you believed in and is a whole part of it. And when you don't, um, you know, then there's a question of, well, how do I make sense of that? And that's kind of what the crisis of meaning is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, the way I would put it is, um, you know, the virtue of uh, religious belief uh, would be for whatever questions you have that, they provide can provide answers, right? Um, I also think it's it's a little more complicated in the sense that um, there's a lot of wisdom, accumulated wisdom that's contained in religious rituals and practices that come out of you know uh, deep experience, right? So that's something I would want to recognize. But I would juxtapose the idea of I have questions. Religion provides answers, but if you don't have religion, then you have to try to provide some of those answers for yourself or to seek them amongst people who uh, you know and care about. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, because you don't have the answers and suddenly there's a big question. Yes. And, um, And most of us don't really spend a lot of time thinking about this or we we yeah. are distracted by life and so yeah. at those moments it catches you you know really head front yeah i mean i kind of always have been impressed by nietzsche's uh perception that you know we're not able to tolerate the reality of like the abyss and what we don't know um we couldn't get by life uh, if we remain focused on that. So it's a good thing that um, we have many, many distractions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah, to, for, to function, we need to be distracted, yeah. to disconnect from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the drawback of being disconnected is when we suddenly are faced with it, then yes. we're not prepared. It's full yeah. force. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, And so maybe, uh, you know, I'm not going to go to the answers, but maybe to the questions, because okay. we're talking about crisis of meaning, you know, there's the something. So what are the questions that come for you? As you can, well, I think, you know, um, there's, first of all, the emotional attachment side of things where you kind of fear that if someone is no longer alive, that you no longer have a relationship with them, right? Um, And so that's sort of terrifying. Um, But uh, I think the other questions have to do with that, um, you know, we happen to live in a culture in which uh, we're really encouraged to rapidly um, digest and to move on from loss. Um, I think I would juxtapose that to, for example, 
not an expert about this, but my understanding is that in Japanese culture, that it's very common to have shrines inside the home with pictures in your living room of someone who has died in a way that um, I think in um, Western culture, probably American culture especially, um, that that would seem uh, morbid. Um, so I'm very interested in the dialectic of the need to let go and to face that something irrevocable has occurred. And at the same time, to find ways to preserve um, the connection. And that because someone is no longer physically alive, doesn't mean that they can't be an active living presence within you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So very, very clearly that sense of a dialectic between two poles and one is letting go and that kind of generally the our way. Yeah. Um, and on the other end, the idea of maintaining the relationship. And so there is a relationship beyond yeah. death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a presence, there is a, and not just a presence, but I think you're describing something like an ongoing interaction mm-hmm. that continues. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, true. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because even um, in uh, Freud's famous Mourning and Melancholia, he kind of leans towards the idea of, well, you know, reality dictates that if someone is not no longer alive, that you have to kind of give them up. Um, And uh, there is some kind of idea of internalizing someone Um, But it's sort of a later development, um, I think, in which that's really articulated. So that's part of the experience of uh, recognizing how someone dwells within you. um, And that is uh, abiding um, and not sort of subject to someone's uh, physical uh, death. Um, And... um, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, I think we're, our motivation in life is often uh, occurs in dialogue with people who have been internalized uh, mm-hmm. within us. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're you're broadening the question from just the idea of um, how what kind of a relationship we maintain with people who are dead to the larger question to say, you know, uh, human beings. We don't just yeah. live in the moment. We yeah. also have a whole set of stuff in the imagination of internalized mm-hmm. people, you know, so we don't yeah. live just in the moment. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that's part of that larger context. That's right. I mean, and I would say this is where, um, you know, what it means to have a self, right, is uh, strongly influenced by the relationships uh, that one has had, um, and that um, it's very important to appreciate the kind of uh, role of the imagination mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. as something which helps us to um, sustain meaning. Right, right, right. No, that's, that's a, so, so maybe I'm going to try a slightly different wording to, to see if I get what you're talking about. Uh, in, um, uh, you know, just uh, uh, everyday language, 
we'd say a relationship involves two people. If one of the people is gone, then that relationship is no longer there. And what we're talking about is to say, you know what, even if the other person is gone, you know, as long as I'm here, there's still a relationship right. because there's something in me that right. continues this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and I think everybody uh, who has lost someone important to them, you know, has these moments in which they kind of uh, experience a food where they know that the person who is dead either kind of loved that or maybe hated it, but you feel that presence uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's part of and informative of the way that, that you react. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so in that sense, when we're talking about meaning, we're not just talking about meaning uh, in the sense of what is life, what is death, but we're also talking about meaning what it's like to be a human being. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the role of mm-hmm. uh, past experiences as they carry forward in the present, the yeah. role of memory, the role of uh, all of these internalized experiences yeah. mm-hmm. that continue to live and you're talking about, you know, the experience in the present moment. That's right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, it also is sort of reflective of some of my research and scholarly work um, on emotions, which emphasizes um, that our emotions in the present are often uh, influenced by emotional experiences that we've had in the past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we cannot, we cannot just, uh, you know, stay at the surface and say everything happens in the moment because we're human beings, because we have memory, because we have, you know, not just uh, memory in the brain, but body memory and all of the nervous system influence that we're, we're constantly living in a present that is made up of the, of an interaction with the past as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And that we we and it's not something that is static. That's something that's very dynamic. We relive it moment right. by moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, you know, I guess the one thing in what you've said that uh, is kind of a subject for further um, curiosity is whether we're talking about something which is restricted to human beings or whether, you know, there are other animals um, out there. Right. I mean, mean, there is documentation of elephants uh, mourning, uh, for example. Um, So that's an appreciation, um, you know, of, of like loss, uh, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which feels, which feels very grounding, which feels to me, uh, as you're pointing it out, something that, uh, that feels, ah, you know, that, uh, because it's a continuum, it's not an exceptionalism. And so the sense of, um, uh, you know, this is not something that's weird and peculiar to human beings. Yeah, I think human beings have gotten themselves in a lot of trouble by imagining that they uniquely experience uh, the world in, in a certain way. Uh, yeah 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 so there's that that negotiation that's going on about mm-hmm. um being in the present uh having the connection mm-hmm. uh the pain that can come from the loss but also yeah. the enrichment that comes from the memory of the connection yeah 
Yeah. No, I would say, and this is uh, definitely reflective of, you know, some of my interest, but uh, in emotions, because um, going towards the pain, going into the pain, I think might in the short term seem like irrational, right? I mean, that in the face of pain, it seems like it makes more sense to go in the opposite direction. But I think there's a long-term benefit of going into the pain when we're talking about experiencing the loss of someone who was dear to you. Yeah, yeah. So what form does it take to go into the pain? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, you know, I would say um, that the kind of pull of everyday life is mm-hmm. so seductive, taking us back into, you know, like uh, what we're going to have for lunch or, uh, you know, what you're going to do over the weekend or when are you going to see your friends and family and all of that, you know, is so compelling. Um, And to preserve some space in which, you know, as we're describing it, is reserved for, for thinking, right, and for having memories uh, about the person. Um, and that's, that's interesting because, again, I mean, it might, there's no reason why it would only be positive or happy memories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but just engaging, having uh, the um, appraisal of the relationship because that really does matter to you. So I'm going to just stop and highlight something because you used the phrase, you know, making some space. And so it's not something I want to have lost in the middle of the paragraph, if you want, because it won't happen unless we make space for it. Yes, that's right. No, I think that's a that's a really important point. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned it, because you can sort of think that morning kind of just happens. Um, and I think it's more of a strenuous effort although it also kind of has a life of its own. So you can't necessarily be in control of it, but you can make space for it and to welcome it when there is the possibility of, you know, engaging it. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, that's an interesting part that relates to the sense of what it's like to be a human being, that dance between what you can control, for instance, making space, and what you can't control, so you can't really determine what intensity it will have, when it will show up, what form it will have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's that, uh, that, that, that moment, you know, that's something you experience, mm-hmm. uh, that dance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I'm in an early phase, so um, we'll see if I can sustain it. We'll see how it evolves. Um, you know, uh, it's a little unpredictable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I know you've had other losses in your life. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, so um, do you notice a sense of... Uh, um, I don't know, familiarity or some sense of help with the territory? Yeah. Or does it catch you by surprise the same way it did? Mm-hmm. 
I would say it's different. That's very much tied to the quality of the different relationships um, that um, we're speaking about. Um, so what most impresses me is that it's not exactly the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if I had to, to, you know, something that comes up for me that I want to share with you, and it might or might not be accurate, but the uh, sense I have right now, if I had to summarize a bit what I'm hearing, is there's a part, I would say, uh, that mourning period is a renegotiating of the relationship from the relationship between two living beings to yeah. a relationship between one person and, and an internalized person or, you know, some, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's um, um, a fair characterization so um thank you for that um the only thing i guess i would quibble with is um i don't like the idea of a morning period um i think i'm inclined to try to develop the idea that morning doesn't end nor does it need to end yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so you, that's, that's, uh, that uh, complements something you said earlier in the conversation, the part about, you know, not wanting to forget in some way, yeah. because that yeah. would be, you know, uh, not right, mm-hmm. not doing justice to the value yeah. of the relationship. Yeah, well, that's where the meaning is contingent upon sustaining the relationship, right? Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's an enormous affront to a conscious being that being turns into non-being right um and that's what we're talking about non-being as antithetical to meaning um and so i think holding on to the significance of someone is the counter uh, to that, to the threat of meaninglessness. Yeah, yeah. So very clearly, uh, there's that sense of um, uh, being equals meaning, and yeah. not being equals meaningless. So, you know, that sense of if you're no longer there, you know, you don't mean anything. If a person's not longer there, they don't mean anything. And mm-hmm. so death erases meaning, is that that whole concept. Yeah, no, I mean, part of you know, the shock and the distress is just when you appreciate like all the entirety of someone's experience, right, of what they went through, who they are, you know, kind of dissipates um, with their uh, physical death, right? And if you share some of those memories and experience, you can preserve them. But there is a lot that just goes out of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then it gets a little bit more of that dimension to where you were talking about the crisis of meaning, because in some way, um, if when you die, you no longer there, you disappear in some way, what have you lived for? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, um, this is what I always... um, I teach ethics and we always talk about um, 
Aristotle's idea of happiness, because it's a very rich idea of that it's a kind of ongoing process um, in life. It's not a single moment per se. But in that context, he brings up uh, the wisdom of Solon. Um, and the wisdom of Solon is that you have to wait till the end. Until someone has died, you couldn't really tell if they were happy because it's easy to imagine a person who, you know, got along great with his partner, loved his wife, loved his children. Sorry to make it so conventional, but um, just for uh, purposes of example. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, just had a marvelous, wonderful life. And then something tragic happened right at the end. That's always possible. Now, Aristotle's response to this guy, Solon, is very important because he says, well, if we have to wait till someone dies, then that seems to me that you can't be happy while you're alive. And that doesn't seem to be something that we should accept. Yeah, so that's a very interesting thing, putting it between two poles. On the one hand, the final answer. On the other hand, that, yeah, right. the, yeah. So there is that moment-by-moment right. moment experience of happiness. That's right. I mean, you know, that's why um, I, I hope this doesn't seem so morbid, but I always enjoy reading obituaries. Why? Mm -hmm. You get the whole expanse of the human life, you know, twists and turns, and uh, it gives you a sense of, of the whole life. Yeah, so it gives a sense of a thread, you know, just like the uh, Greeks had that notion of the thread of life that was woven. Um, and so it gives you a sense of the arc of life and, yes. uh, and what that person did with their time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, it's kind of related also to the notion of uh, meaning corresponds to the interactions you have with others, with the world. Uh, what kind of mark have you made on the world? And so that the morning we're talking about is recognizing that the person who passed has left a mark that goes yeah. way beyond yeah. The, the yeah. simply passing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's an interesting way to put it. I think, um, you know, that one's the deeds that one has done are live on and um, are things to remember you by. Um, you know, I kind of wonder, like, what's the relationship between just the person you are in relation to the deeds that you've done, right? Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, you know, just like, uh, just, uh, just your, your sense of being a person versus your accomplishments and um, your activities. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you is something that goes beyond the accomplishments, you know, and let me check with you that I'm hearing correctly. What I'm hearing is that, you know, the accomplishments in some way could be an abstraction and think what you're talking about is the impact that you've had on others. Yeah. And so that in some way, you still live in other people's psyche. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, we've all kind of had the experience of someone who... You see their resume and they're enormously impressive and then you meet them and they're not so great, right? Yeah. So it's like who you are as a person, um, it's my hope that that really does matter. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And so maybe, you know, just I'm trying to slightly change, paraphrase a little bit what you say. But in that sense, it's a moment at a moment like this, at a moment of loss, at a moment where there is this crisis of meaning, comes that thought of, you know, who you are uh, is what gives meaning to your life. And so what sustains you is those moments are a reminder that what, you know, what is important is what you're in the way you're interacting with others to create something that's of lasting meaning to them. Yeah, no, I think that's completely what uh, I've been trying to say. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.